welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MSP 1337. It is the third Tuesday of the month, which means I am blessed to have Matt Lee join me for Fireside Chat. Let's talk about some CIS controls. Matt, what's on your mind today? You say blessed, but I feel in our earlier discussion and where we're probably going to go with this today. I was going to tell you to go pound sand. Well, cursed might have been the the aspect yeah. you're tying into it. And speaking of curses, if anybody's listening, someone stole my water bottle at Momentum. I'm not even mad about it, except there was a Mr. Rogers sticker that said hack the planet and he had a Fafo shoe in his hand. And so like that was super <laughs> dope to me. And so I just want to say I place a curse on that bottle. May all the cyber wrongness that is in the world find you, whoever stole that bottle, and be on you for the rest of your days. Okay, had to solve that. I'm pretty good. Other than that, man, I'm really ready. I, to talk I don't know about that malware. I could sleep if I lost a Mister Rogers sticker. It's pretty pretty bad, man. Thanks for bringing that up. That's uh, that's uh, good. <laughs> well, well, um, it, it yeah. Uh, so we've been doing a sequential. Uh, attack on each control sure. of, of of perceived logical following the logic of, of CIS controls and and when we were at uh, Pax Eight Momentum uh, this well earlier this week yeah a couple days ago <laughs> a couple days yeah. ago uh, which for those of you listening it was awesome Pax Eight Momentum like the educational content was mind blowing I, I have to say I attended some of the sessions and I was able to participate a little bit on Thursday and I was just uh, it just full of truly impressed. And, and I don't generally like to blow smoke at any one vendor or organization, but you know, for those vendors that might listen to the show, educational content is so valuable today that if you can focus on that with your partners over the check out our new smiley WYSIWYG uh, shiny <laughs> object, um, I think you will see a much higher uh investment return from your partners who want to spend more quality time with you and i'll stop uh, i'll get off my soapbox now i couldn't have said it any better i agree nice we're gonna tackle malware defenses as opposed to going into control seven which was what we should be on but we're not right. going to stay in the yep. sequence of things because this <clears throat> came up um i had the opportunity to talk to a couple msps uh, that are both working on their malware defenses policy and and how they're going to show evidence to support these safeguards. And one of the things that we kind of uncovered was that one of them had decided to drop 10.5. And the other one was like, why did you drop 10.5? And so there was a little heated discussion that went back and forth. And so today, uh, Matt, hopefully we can help put to bed the approach here. Uh, for those of you listening real quick, and I'll say this and I'll probably say it again. CIS made a decision to create the CIS top 18 in a logic linear model to follow. So if you do control one, then you would do control two and so on and so forth. You follow till you get to 18. That's that's the way they set it up. So if it feels like, seems like, looks like, it sounds like another control that you've already seen, it might have some elements that are very similar, if not the same in some respects to one you've already covered. But they said, no, wait, this needs its own control. Because remember, CIS only asks you to do one thing at a time. So if they get too overwhelmed on one control, they're going to have to move it to another one. So Matt, tell me what your thoughts are around malware defenses, because it is tackling one sort of piece of 
software. It's tackling yeah. one thing. Yeah. Well, you know, let's set the stage first. I'll, I'll set the stage with this and the understanding that attacks happen where finger t- fingertips land. Right. Yes. If I'm a threat actor, I either want to intercept where that fingertip has started something to go. That'd be like cloud or man in the middle or adversary in the middle methodologies. Or I want to compromise that machine so I can become something on that machine of some user privilege or if better, even administrative privilege. Right. That's what I want to do. So when you think about it, 10.1 is the focus on the understanding that as much as I, Matt, personally believe we're shifting more and more towards identity centric security, where we understand identity and its extensibility to SaaS apps and all those other things we talked about in five and in six and in two and in three. Right. And so when we talk about 10, it still focuses very much on that infrastructural understanding of security needing to defend where the endpoint is. If you think about it, it's like, why do you put on a helmet? Well, so that when you hit your head on the freaking ground, you don't actually have your brain bounce against the side of your skull hard enough in which it creates the concussion effect that kills brain cells. You don't want intracranial bleeding. You don't want those kind of things. We put on a helmet. And right, we already have enough things to get rid of brain cells anyway. So why would we I do my that? best internally, <laughs> yeah. though? Yeah. I only want it to seem like a fight internally in my mind. The right. Brain cells That's line right. up against the alcohol cells and they just like bunch each other, I guess, in my mind. <laughs> it's called elasticity. Is, it's, it's elasticity. We're just keeping them stronger. That's right. But the but the point is, when we think about, you know, this deploying anti malware software, the very premise of 10.1, beginning of it <laughs> saying deploy anti-malware software on all enterprise assets well let's go back to why we started and you and i went linearly through one two three right is because those are assets we're talking about either data that's an asset or data as we come into this value aspect of it right or we're talking about the software that is some form of an asset right we're, or right. we're talking about a, a physical asset where the endpoints touch most people when they think about 10.1 they even don't think about it in its breadth because they don't go back to one right one says iot Network devices. Right. It says, you know, mobile it, phones. It's it pretty says exhaustive. Workstations. It says servers. It says all of those things are are those assets. And it also says comma space or anything that has the potential to touch, store, or process data. Well, guess what? There's a lot that goes into that conversation. You have to be really nuanced with to understand each of those veins. And then when you look at 10, you have to say, it doesn't say on some assets. It doesn't say on maybe an asset or two. It doesn't say, hey, whatever you selectively think to be in the front of your mind right now, it says, on all enterprise assets, based on their sensitivity and what they're touching, right? Obviously, you have to have that in mind. Sure. But when you, but when you think about it, deploy and maintain any malware software on all enterprise assets includes those IoT devices. It might mean a network gateway that's doing some inspection. It might be taking it through a sassy edge. It might be things like that to help solve some of those challenges, which is why ZTNA sets you up really well for this. Sassy combined with ZTNA type architectures allow you to send everything through processing from a malware perspective, and it starts at the agent consumption level. But which, if you don't um, know, zero trust is what you're referring to with ZTNA. Oh, zero yeah, zero trust, trust network architecture. Yeah, yeah. Yes. In, or zero trust in general, but specific specificity to the network architecture. We should just say ZT because that's really what we're getting at. Well, yeah, but then you get into this, like I could not trust you walking in my building and the physical aspect. There's so many other pieces of this and that come is into that, that wrong? So, no, no. I, I, but guess I, I, I get it. Like, I get it. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Yeah, I'm yeah. giving a phylum after the GM, I suppose. Or there genus, you go. I suppose, if you will. Uh, yeah. So, and I might even have those backwards. In fact, you know, correct us in the comments if I am screwed up there. I don't mind being an idiot as a scientist, I guess. Um, but when you get into understanding that, I think the breadth of it is often lost. Like I, I ask this all the time, and you and I did this just yesterday or two days ago. We asked MSPs, how many of you are covering mobile phones? Right. None, right? Very few. I think there was one. And I think, think it actually it, became yeah. a very heated discussion about, I shouldn't say heated, but 
And, well, that and one guy did throw a chair, but you know. Yeah, well, I think I think where <laughs> this gets really important, and I think Dom brought this up too, and in, in in where we silo like privileged access, where we where we say based on geography or device or any number of things that we restrict that data that you can access. We might say some, and we may even get into like. See, and I disagree department. with Dom a little bit, and and not on well, that. Well, let's let's I get agree, into that in a second, because I, I, I think the point of what what kind of came out of that that I thought was kind of critical to 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 stay a little bit focused on is BYOD is here to stay. I don't care how hard you want to push against this. You can say no all you want, but inevitably, unless you've done a perfect job of, you know, blocking and tackling, someone's eventually going to figure out a way to access something for work through a a means of authentication. So, so I think there's some validity to, to that in the context of if we, if we focus on how we access something, then we can restrict how what what can access that you totally true all those things are true let me talk you through his premise that i disagreed with that came out of that okay because his argument was that right if we do ma'am right so if everybody's listening mobile application management or in let's say android world you're talking about maybe a work profile basically in some form or fashion you are enclaving you are now saying this data can only be accessed by outlook Outlook is in an enclave mode and it can only be in that Outlook. You can't copy and paste in and out of it. You can't interact with things in and out of it. It is protected, right? We're good. Totally good. So in Dom's premise, because of that, then the malware defenses necessary don't necessarily include protecting his phone. Not true. If I root it, right? There's possibly attacks from the in out. If I have an, an agent that comes in or an email that comes in now, granted his argument would be, we'd be protecting that on the surface of the email in 9.5 and some of those other right. aspects of it. Right. Um, and maybe we bring that up later when you talk about this redundancy challenge. Um, we'll come back to that. But the, the, the point I was making is that his argument was, well, I don't necessarily want my employer to have an agent on my phone uh, and be protecting it in that mobile fashion. He's quite against it. And the argument is that he's still making that same convenience over security in my mind, right? Now, can you say that 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 employer shouldn't have access to what my web history, all these other things? That's clearly stated if you look at Microsoft Defender that goes on the endpoint on the mobile, right? They're not looking at that. They're just protecting files and you can set it where it's pulling things and looking at it and protecting that device. But that is a device as discussed in assets 1.1, right. that is able to store process data. And I don't think you could argue to me that Enclave is enough of a separation to make that not be a device anymore. It's still a device. She says virtual or physical. And when you start getting into it, that virtuality of separation inside that because of its protected enclave, TPM chip or otherwise, there's still vulnerabilities that, that affect those. So you have to have something to detect. And, right. and let's not forget, even though we call 10.1 a, a protection, boy, howdy, it feeds every single detection that's out there. Right. Right. I mean, and so you start getting into when you when you combine the understanding of malware defense as being also 9.5 or 9. whatever it is, and we'll go back to it. But um, actually, I have to like kind of empirically be right. So give me just a sec. Um, Enable the anti-exploitation features. Yeah, 9.3. 10. On 10. I know, but I'm just kind of making reference back to oh, 9.7. Sure. 9.7 saying deploy and maintain email server anti-malware. Right? right, it's an IG3, but it, to your, you know, to your MSP's point, it, it's malware being talked about in nine, and even though now we're in 10, 10 yeah, and right, and so, but it is an, an IG3, so you shouldn't actually reach it until you've already gone through 10 once, and so it's kind of that whole yellow brick road conversation coming up, or yet again. or or you're an MSP, you recognize that it's something that you're doing, and you tackle it. Yeah, but they're not often brought together in the same plane, right? Like how often is your email plane of anti-malware hitting the same 
location of a seam or sim, however you want to say it, right? And and and, and seeing the other anti malware actions, you're you're not often, but guess what you are in Microsoft Defender for Business and Defender for Office. They're all seen together in the same incident chain. And for a lot of small to mid-sized business, you're seeing a lot of this stuff come together in the same places, sure. but uh, side tangent. But anyways, back to 10, to the point, you know, 10.1 is often under, under breadth, right? Yeah. <laughs> People don't understand how broad it really is and the places I have to deploy it. Like go to back to network and IoT, I need a gateway that actually is doing anti-malware. It might be my firewall. It might be a sassy edge. It might be a couple of other things, right? right. And those agently, agentless implementations. Um, 10.2 though is, is like a no brainer, but it does tell you the state of the union we live in, Chris. Like, like 10.2 is like really, really, really the mom that just gave up on the kid and goes, fine, <laughs> here's, here's your checklist, yeah. breathe. You're like, it's I'm so glad one. they moved out. <laughs> yeah, but like this one, configure automatic, uh, updates, any malware signature updates. And I'll actually tell you a common failure here. So this is, an, this is another conversation I got into about with an MSP and I disagreed. So look at Sentinel One. They have agents and those agents have macro versions. There's GA, there's early release, but they're all versions. Right. Now, they argue that because they are dynamic and looking at behaviors, then there is no need. You're not doing updates, right? But I would argue if you're not updating the agent, you're not meeting 10.2 if there is an agent update available, even if it has kind of its own heuristic analytics capabilities. Well, remember, if you go back in time, remember back in the day, people would have Norton or whatever it was, and it'd be like version four, but it's got the latest right. database. Signatures. Like, Sweet, we're good. Signatures <laughs> yeah, are yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but but case in point, uh, we we see things like not all of the applications that are out there in this space are are built on any one thing anymore they they've 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 become a bundle of of products or services and yeah. all of a sudden you've got one that's like vulnerable and it's the right. md it's the actual malware defense software like because it's yeah. leveraging something yeah, else exactly it. and i now unseat it as a threat actor and that brings me to this next point the other thing people don't get, and it's actually, I think, a gap in the CIS safeguards in my mind. Now, you could argue this comes in an incident response, but even then, I don't think it's tactical enough. But the real miss here is 10.1, I'll go back to it for a second, believes you know what the hell you're doing. Like 10.1 <laughs> believes yeah. that you understand what you're doing, that you have an MDR capability. That's why vendors often go, I can't find MDR on CIS. Right. Because it's a miss. They don't say, know what the hell you're doing. Here's exactly why I say that. Remember when you talked about that, let's say, older agent that maybe had some uh, yeah. issues, let's say? When I'm a threat actor and I land on this machine, and there's ways I can land, you're not going to see me in Sentinel-1, right? There's hands-on keyboard methodologies, right? HID kind of attack I, methodologies. I inside a OneDrive folder. I mean, there's all, just... Well, then you have some – but anyway, don't get me off on a tangent. But the point mm -hmm. being, there's a, there's a lot of ways to get there and land there without the EDR finding me, at least in its initial detection. But then whenever it alerts, let's say your team doesn't pay attention to your alerts. And I ask that question in, in an audience. Most people don't raise their hand when I say, hey, how many of you actively manage every alert that comes out of an EDR and make a decision on how you're going to deal with it, right? None. And you know how I know it's none? Because I've seen the data. I know how many percentage aren't doing it. I won't say right. it, but yeah. it's a lot. The, and the, the data is, don't lie. The data don't lie. So what it, what it tells me is nobody's managing it. And what happens is that first time the alert goes off, it stopped Matt's threat. Great. It doesn't know or say that Matt Lee was a threat hands-on keyboard. Now right. it goes again and it goes again. And eventually it stops going. You know why it stopped going? I found the vulnerability on that agent version. And I supplanted it. And I now have access to this machine without you having any purview anymore at all. Right. And so you start realizing that that's why we talk about 10.1, deploy, comma, space, 
and maintain, and I take maintain very liberally to mean do the stuff necessary to actually make it an effective EDR, which means setting the right settings. You can't just have it in view only mode. That's deployed, right? right? It has to be efficacious. And I think that's a miss in CIS. It's not talking about it. They assume everybody's a professional. And the challenge is we're not. We're all students. And I think that's the point we're we're getting to. So, all right, I'll stop beating up 10.1. 10.2, we talked about, that's the stupid button. Yes, update it. But my point that I brought up all the way back was, Sentinel one and, and it's now I think maybe live and released, but didn't auto update for the longest right. time from 2017 to 2019, 2020, as I was using as a practitioner, we had to make decisions. Why? Because the kernel needed a reboot of the machine for it to be effective. And if you did auto updates, you'd be effectively dropping some portions of that protection. And so you have to actually be planned to reboot as well. And I, I talk a lot about that in, in so, process. So slight, slight tangent, and I won't yeah. name names because I don't want to attack anybody, <laughs> but there are some uh, malware type products that, um, that we can get our hands on that have like free editions. And sure. in the free edition, it doesn't come with the ability to have the feature that is auto update. And I, I would create the argument that we're getting into a world today that if you're going to offer your product for free or fee, auto yeah. update shouldn't be an optional item to your product. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you get back to CISA's secure by design yeah. and secure by default conversations. And I think right, what you're seeing is in National Cybersecurity Strategy 3.3, it says shift responsibility of liability for the products and services to the people most responsible to be able to make the most change. And that is the vendor, that is the software provider, that is the MSP. And it says solutions and services. And what yeah. it talks about is saying, if I can control this, if I as a strategy wanted to win this, do I chase every mom and pop? Or do I make it rewarding enough and punitive enough for the software providers and for the people that are doing the service to just freaking be better, have better standards and force those, those, those clients to do it because that's the whole market rising. And so the argument is that you'll start seeing more and more of that kind of requisite in time. It, it goes all the way back to our SRO, our SRO conversation. It goes all the way back to defensibility. It goes all the way back to the trust mark, even in that conversation. Right? That goes first, to the regulation first. question that got asked when we were doing the panel on Wednesday. When yeah, we went on a tangent, the... didn't we, on that one? That was it, a good but, but it was a great question because he said, <laughs> with all of the different frameworks out there and the different legislation and different legislation that's coming, isn't this like basically, he didn't say this, but like, isn't it basically turning into alphabet soup? It's like, well, yeah. maybe, but look at any of those frameworks that are out there. Show me one that is actually targeting our industry today. And you will find absolutely none. Yeah. So to well, your and, point, and at, the end, at the end of the day, you have VIN, you have NHTSA, you have, right. You have yeah. uh, DOT, you have, yes, there's going to be acronym soup. You're not wrong. But, but that's what happens over time is you do have these regulatory bodies, these regulations, these things that come out. And they may be multiple ones, depending on where they're coming from. And right. But largely stuff. up until this point, they still focus on protecting a specific type of data. And I think what okay. we're trying to do and, and everything that we did at Beyond when it came to the cybersecurity side of this was how do you secure <clears throat> your business and your clients? Frameworks are a great way to help you align that and, and maybe follow some sort of consistent standard. But we're not saying do these to be compliant with these frameworks. We're saying do these things to better protect yourselves and your customers. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's get back to the 10 because we 10. need to stay on it. I think yeah. we're, we're I on mean, it. we're on 10.2. So let's talk least, about what well, I want to specifically attack. Maybe not attack. That's a terrible word. I want to specifically support a conversation. That's what a threat actor would say. Uh, uh, it's what I do on Thursdays. Um, is it? Th- We're good. It's Friday. So uh, the, the the aspect of what your person had said, which said, I'm not doing 10.5, which let's read 10.5 real, real quick, which is enable anti-exploitation features. 
Enable anti-exploitation features on enterprise assets and software where possible. They give some such as is because they really want to give you scope, which is Microsoft DEP, Windows DEG, or Apple SIP and Gatekeeper. And what's interesting is, at least on the Windows side, 10.5 is one by default in Windows 11. Mm-hmm. Like, I, just, I, just, I want to make sure we understand. Like, I'm not having a policy. My policy is don't change default C4.1. Right. Like at right. some point, enforce this in 4.1. I'm going to leave this this way. Like, why would you say I'm not tackling it? And the same thing goes to 10.3. Autoplay for removable media in Windows devices for sure is disabled by default. I, you know, how I know I wanted to demonstrate it. I had to go turn it on in the registry. I had to make it possible to attack it. And it was very tough on, on Windows 11. So you get into some things. I guess it wasn't very tough. I'm being a little hyperbolous. But the point is. No, well, that's coding. that's fair, though. You had to go and make a registry change. That's that's I substantial. Did. Yeah. I think the point is when you start looking at these, t- these are really more to your point guidance of saying yeah. <clears throat> disable auto run for autoplay, remove media where on what assets phones, right? Cool. We probably don't have a big challenge there other than right. maybe if they, you know, right. Laptops. Yep. Cool. Servers. Yep. Okay. We're going to make sure it's there, but really it's more saying when you talk about four and you say secure configuration process, that doesn't say have all the configurations. It says have a, a process. This is where you get some of these configurations and the understandings of some of these configurations in their codification, right? So you're now saying, hey, turn on DEP. Great. That's a 4.1 setting. And that is the argument, I think, that sparked yeah. from how do you do it in a policy? How do you address it in a policy perspective, right? Is that kind of what we talked about before? Well, so- and again, to some extent, I don't know how much of a policy per se that you need to write just for malware defenses. Agreed. If you've written okay, good we're on policies. The same page. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so we don't want to reinvent the wheel. And I right. think that if we were talking about like, as as we often do, I'm like, just get this done and, and don't complain and you do IG3 and you just do it. Right. But regardless of where you're at in the IG process, this is a repetitive cycle. It, it's never ending. It's continuous. So if, if I were to get to malware defenses and I haven't addressed it, or, or maybe I haven't addressed it well, cause I didn't understand it as well as I need to, you, you, you said it like in, in four in say, secure baseline configurations, I could feasibly have in my policy addressing this one. And what really happens in when I get to malware defenses is it's really articulating a even further. And the reason why you wouldn't necessarily want this to be fully in your control for policy is because this may change frequently. This yeah. may be something that like today I'm using fill in the blank Sentinel one. And well, t- well that don't, no. don't let's not, let's not disambiguate since you touched on it. Okay. Policy is going to be guardrails. Policy is going to be what, where the road should wind up and where it should start. Policy is going to say, if I'm building a road, this is about where we need guardrails. This is where the road needs to pass. Right. And then procedures and processes are going to be. Yeah, I went to Canada last week and I actually got my official Canadian uh, uh, citizenship uh, honorary. Yeah. And it's uh, just your, you passed the vocab test. So right now, I, yeah, yeah. I can actually, well, I now knew some lingo from Letterkenny. Right. So that helped out. Right. Like pitter patter. Let's get at her. So, um, anyways, but back to the point of saying, uh, Oh, I was on a tangent and well, I forgot. I think where you're going though is is to talk about like, yeah, policy is the scope or the rules that you need yes, to follow. Thank you. But but there's a balancing act here because I think within malware defenses itself, sure, you could get too far down in the weeds where you have a frequency of change to how you're doing this. Yes, it's not the scope anymore, where yeah. you go, oh wait. Deploy and maintain anti-malware, or sorry, configure automatic anti-malware signature updates. What if that changes? What if that? Yeah. What if you have a for whatever reason it changed? Um, I'm just well, I'm just saying like well, this, don't is, let this me is forget deep. The, yeah, don't let's miss the macro point of what I, I guess I was getting at was 
when you talk about policy versus procedure and process, you see that the 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 policy should set where those overarching roads should go. The policy, the procedures and process should be where the signs are, what they actually say, where the paint is painted, where the lines are for the road, right? What's the things that I need to prepare for for road maintenance? Like that's where all that comes into procedure and, and it shouldn't be in the policy. Policy, But, but there's a still a balancing act to what you're saying right now, because if my policy is in control four, how good is my foreshadowing and predicting the future? What's going to come in control 10? Well, but you would just add referential documents to that, right? And, and extra and points around what those guidances are. I think that that's the point here is that. And and I see this in the in the notes that I had from from the MSP was we reference control four for our policy in control in control ten and vice versa in that right. respect right like when yeah. when you go to the actual policy SSP right or policy manual yes when you get into that architecture of it you would have those those references which means that this um, this particular one could be a pretty if this were to be a policy it could be pretty stinking short because it would you, be yeah you're covering I, I, it well other places you would just basically break down the bullet points of the safeguards you're trying to meet and add them into what you know when we talk about this behaviors right and then yeah and then the guy and then the guard guide rails so anyways all right so but but back to the point i think continuing this 10.3, right? Disable autoplay. The reason for that is the attacks. One of the things it doesn't really cover that you would also think is under 10.3, and I actually do, and you're, you're going to hate me for throwing this loop and going right back against Is the laptop or devices that have you plug in portable media to boot from? Well, not that. That's another methodology, but not as valuable for me, right? Because of encryption, hopefully, if you're doing three well. But the point is, is if I look at <clears throat> what I would attack with is, is like a bash bunny or a HID or a ducky, if you want to call it that, right? When you think about that, that is autoplaying a keyboard keystroke to mm -hmm. execute living off the land tools to execute malware. I can do the same thing. And you did not stop that malware because you did not stop that keyboard. And right. that keyboard now, and there's really not many ways to approach this other than being very stringent about not letting USB devices even connect to HIDs. How challenging is that for a workforce? Now you have to actually have the, the MAC address, the hardware, or sorry, the hardware identifiers to actually oh, say, right. this is the type of UIDs I will allow you to connect to right. my system. And those are the type of things people aren't thinking about when you talk about dealing with 10.3, but you don't have to right away. I think, the I think there's is, people that are going to lose sleep. Out. There will people, <laughs> people will lose sleep over this episode. Because <laughs> they have not thought about how they would stop. I, I had this get said yeah. to me today, Chris, every time I get on a call with you, I feel like I have one of three things happen. Either I, I am doing something that I shouldn't be. I need to change or add something to what I didn't know about. And number three, because you've made me so freaking scared, I no longer sleep well at night. It's fair. It's fair. Copious drinking. I don't know if that's the thing you should give you know, advice I, on. I but, take uh... two to four or 12 Benadryl when I go to bed at night. It just depends oh, on how. No. God, bro. <laughs> I, I just have to slow my blood pressure down yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. To... So 10.3 gets you through IG1s. And let's be honest, uh, that is a great example. 10.3, talking about removable media, is a great, great, great example of where an IG1 can have a low amount of maturity applied to it or a very high amount of maturity applied sure, to it. With very absolutely. different costs and burden. Right. And so now the first time one angry sales dude goes to pick up this new Logitech mouse that now has enough different UID because they did it differently. And right. It won't connect. Right. I have a problem where they're like, no, what are you talking but, about? But you also yeah. now know that you have an employee who went out and bought their own device. And we've all seen that That's there true. are devices out there that should not be plugged in regardless of what their function but is. But bro, I'm sitting here with my nice ducky one that I love so much from Taiwan. That is the dopest of mechanical keyboards, in my opinion. Everybody yeah. throw bricks at me now. And 
uh, I know it's a low end. I still and it's got these really cool adapters you can plug into. I said this goes directly to China. This goes directly (laughs) to Philippines. (laughs) All right. So ten dot four is talking about then if we are going to allow anti uh, or uh, removable media to come in. How do we do anti-malware scanning? Well, you can't really anti-malware scan an HID. It's just a keyboard. It's just programmed right. to type something, right? And so you can't really do it that way, but you can scan files and you can scan drives. Sure. And you can scan those things. So I think most people, there's most MSPs, most people out there with a decent EDR already have this. It, it, you, it's it, on right? by default. Like this one right? by default. Like it yeah. should be. It's most right. of the time. I know it is with Windows Defender. You know, ask right. me how I know, because I always have to fight it when I'm bringing my malware. On machines I'm trying to well, play. Well, right. And so. and it's funny because if you're running a Windows machine, it has Defender on it, whether you put it there or not, even if you add something <clears> else <throat> on top of it. Yeah, well, actually, that's not completely true because you can kill some of those components of that kernel that's, um, when you're That's fair. Defender. I'm just but saying, yeah, like, you, but, you're not going to go buy a Windows machine tomorrow and have it come with nothing. That's true. That is fair. That's a fair assertion. Um, um, so, okay, so 10.10. We did 10.5, obviously. That was the kind of touched the, on it. Like, the heart of this sort of I initial didn't finish discussion. It, though. Okay. I actually didn't finish it because where this gets broader is that it isn't fully defined. The only reason they added what Microsoft DEP, DEG, and, and, and SIP to this yeah. and Gatekeeper is because those are the examples they can come up with. But they would, this also is one of those where this is contextual. Anywhere else you can do anti exploitation features, like <laughs> right. look at Windows ASRs. Right? When you talk about an, uh, uh, attack surface reduction tools, that goes into four, but really 10.5 is talking about how you would disable exploitation capabilities. Right and here, they're talking mainly about memory, right? But when you think about this, this is broader than that. It's again, where you get slapped in the face by how broad this really needs to be. And then I need to be able to stop anti-exploitation or use anti-exploitation to stop exploitation of a lot of stuff. Think where that might apply in IoT. Right. That see, think about where that might might apply in other exploitation capabilities that are not specific memory attacks. Like, uh, I, I guess I can't think of any other like direct race conditions or things like that. But certainly, the point is there. And then the last part, the real kicker here is even on the known stuff. And the reason your MSP might have been pushing back is it is a bitch to manage Apple at the iOS level and Gatekeeper from a Mac OS level. Right. It's a bitch. You have to run MDMs. You have to be able to use effective MDMs like Adigy and all the other players out there. Sure. Right. Like. You have to do this, and it's a pain in the ass, and I get why they're pushing back. But at the end of the day, it also kind of touches back on Dom's 10-1 pushback, and I now have to have I think Dom's control just of a pushy. device. I think he, Dom's just pushy. Dom was just too long in the NSA, I think, or the, the no such I, You know, I, I, was, I was, he wasn't say, in the NSA. I don't think he, he should have had a microphone. He didn't need a microphone, but he should have had a microphone because he said several things that uh, I thought were really – Oh, yeah. Really important to capture, more so than <clears throat> me breathing heavily into my microphone. You know, but it was so, so nice. It's at the ambiance. You know what I mean? That was the best part of it. Everybody's here together. It was weird that you would stop breathing every now and again. That was an awkward thing. But You know, my wife says that to me too. And then I'm like, can you please remove the pillow? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, Okay. So so this is the next, let's go, let's go to 10.6. I mean, not we could do a whole episode on 10.5, but 10.6, this one to me is, is extremely important one. And it's also one that's under understood. Again, okay. So Under, what understood, you or you what mean would this like mean? not understood? Like yeah. not understood oh, well I, enough? Well, I'm not okay to do double negatives in my own. Context. I wasn't sure like, what I'm you sure. were saying. Like, I, like, am I yeah, underneath it? Like, because there's a bridge over is the top. Often underappreciated for its breadth. Un- under breadth again, right? In the sense that if you think about centralizing anti malware, you're like, duh, I got one EDR product, sweet. Right. Is it, is it the same one that you use for your mobile phones? 
Is it the same one you use for your gateways at the firewall level for those IoT devices? Is it the same one that you use for your email protections? Is it Elaborate a little bit, because I think there's something missed here, because okay. we're not just saying like, hey, I've got fill in the blank vendor. It's remembering yeah. that the MDR products, even if they're from the or, same or vendor. EDR or or any whatever or, you want to call yeah, it, anti-malware. May, maybe very general. different. Yeah. Well, and they, they aren't in the same central console. Right. right. If you started looking at by default 10.6, if you read it, you think it's simple. I've got my EDR product. I use only Malwarebytes or I use only whatever. Right. And you're good. But you don't because Malwarebytes maybe doesn't have that in the same console. They actually do. They're one of the ones I know of that brings everything in one console for that. But they don't do email protection. So that doesn't come in the same console. 10.6 says use a sim. 10.6 is another one of those same arguments for bringing my security tooling and tool set in or sim slash XDR. Right, however you want to call it from a, that perspective, but I so really mean to, to clarify. This essentially management isn't like my Excel spreadsheet that has all of my products in it. it right, is right. A this is bit... making the tactical shit work to keep stuff from going. Yeah, and, in the and, night. and and honestly, you're also keeping track of things like the log files and where those logs are going because you know obviously if you want to be successful with malware defenses, it needs to be in harmony and in, in the way it interacts with some of your other part tools of the operation. Yeah, for for, yeah, least... for it to be meaningful. Well, and you get into that later when you get into 12 and 13, right? When you start getting into- Hey, let's not be jumping ahead. We already did that once. Oh, like this Johnny, is not oh, warping. Really we, we're not warping. Fine. I'm just saying this might be one of those scenarios where in 10, we realize we need something more than we have today to solve 10.6 before Fair. we ever hear of a scene, right? right? We've never made it to 12 yet, presumably and talked about it or 13, I'm sorry. Um, and so I think that's the interesting part about this is this is where it proves again that you get more mature as you go through it and understand things more as you reread them. And it's an advocation that even when you're doing IG3, you go back and look at your IG2 stuff, right? And when you're coming back around to that same set of safeguards to do your IG2s, you should relook at your IG1s because you will understand them better as you continue down this path, right? And I think that's the point. 10.6 says centrally manage any malware software. That means being able to make sense. That That is the use case for SOAR and XDR type operations. Right. I, I think we we just maybe said this today and have not said this before now that when it says centrally managed, we're not necessarily talking about this from a traditional inventory model. It's fair. We're talking about the matriculation and management of the tactical operations for security. This is a protection and a detection. These are aspects talking about the actual front line of that stopping and defenses from that perspective at the endpoint layer. Right. 10.7 goes in and says use behavior based anti malware software. This is actually one of those where most people buy that with their SKU. They're buying the effective EDR product. There's a whole number of them out there now that are that way. So I would say 10.7 is one of those where it's also deeper in. But in the same breadth, if you start thinking about the, the breadth of it, is, is my firewall, my NGFW actually using behavior based analytics? Right. So when we talk about IoT, because don't forget, when we all go all the way back to 10.1, it says all enterprise assets. This does not say, Whatever the hell you think is convenient, assets. It's whatever can touch data. <laughs> well, right? okay, we, okay. Yeah. So careful there, whatever convenient. Because remember, when you're dealing with end users, this is a perfect example of BYOD. Like, oh, oh yeah. well, I was at home and like I just sat down on my kid's school laptop so that I could remote in and and you know get to whatever data I needed to. But that goes right back to actually controlling what is an asset versus being surprised by what is an asset. I, right. And I think this goes back to 1.1 being, and I'll go, I'll finish real quick. No, is you're fine. You're saying being, what I think I was going to say. Okay. Well, it's really saying you finish. if I limit, I can, if you keep cutting me off, I, actually I can, I'm just being a, a billy, bit wimpy. Yeah, it's fair. I still love you. But the point <laughs> is when you talk about 1.1, what if I was to say, 
what can touch, store, or process data is limited by a conditional access policy. Right. All data is encrypted by that identity. Everything that needs to be touched is behind that from an access perspective. And so I am whereby saying if you can actually touch or store the data, it's because you've signed in, you're actually compliant, you have your anti-malware tools in place, your disk is encrypted. I can check all those things and I can control what data that is that stringent. If you were at home checking your email, perhaps I might give you a one hour session in a Chrome browser to check your email by signing in, even if it wasn't on all of those things I just mentioned. Right. I mean, now I only check for a Chrome browser that's up to date and it's malware software being on it. You could get into different controls of how, what you allow to become an asset, thereby changing what you have to protect from a surface area as an asset. Well, I, I think you bring up something that's, I, I think that's spot on. So I, I, I want to come back to that. But one of the things I wanted to point out before we get to the end of this timeline is the MSP mentioned, I don't have a plan. I don't have or plan on having a policy just for control 10. And it goes on to say all of control 10 will fall under our secure configurations of company assets, assets policy. I have. Yeah. Sorry. Good. So no, so you were going to argue with that, but I think you just created the argument that says one doesn't need to do more than this because of what you just said with regards to if we create a definition around what is an asset yes, sir, from right a perspective on how it can access data and what yep. it can do with that data. One, two, and three, baby. Then we may be getting into a scenario where we're actually making it easier, especially in the context for solution providers, yep. to manage assets that they are responsible for when those rules are put into place. I believe we're done here. I think we I think we are done. Problem. I think we just yeah. I think we just made a change that should literally be mind blowing to those listening yeah. because what you just said says don't let assets in inventory dictate your inventory. Yeah, dictate Choose how. It. Yeah, that's it. How data can be act accessed and what can be done with said it, data it is controls the, whole the asset. Of this book, though, bro, that's the it, whole it, premise of this. If you oh man, we got a plug for centric. What yeah, book yeah. is this that you Sorry. are talking about? This is the MSP Owner's Handbook Sassy Edition with, with Sassy. Well, there's plenty of that going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's me, Wes Spencer, Marnie Stockman, and Juan Fernandez, uh, Doctor Marnie Stockman. Sorry. And and for those uh, of you who don't Fernandez. know that I I got I got mine autographed. I've torn out two of them and sold them on. E eBay, I got eighteen dollars for one, Sweet. and and three dollars and seventy five cents for the other one. So I was able to buy several <laughs> more copies of the book. We sell them, and all the money goes to uh, certification uh, scholarship. We're giving away CompTIA certs um, with the book proceeds. So we we do that as a scholarship. We already gave away ten thousand uh, dollars. Awesome! It was pretty awesome. So tangential though, my point is that if I am an MSP serving only customers that are IID or, you know, IDP centric or AD, right. right um, centric um, going into service providers being SaaS solutions and actually using all of the functions inside of a Microsoft where, where it comes to like Azure message encryption or Azure encryption, uh, right. all of the things that come into that, where you now can actually tie everything back to that identity very systemically. You can set a set of functions the same way for every customer. You actually get extremely scalable and you also wouldn't find the commoditization of what normal MSPs do very valuable anymore. This fills that gap. Being able to be that automation of security, be that that advisor, that strategic partner, as opposed to that plate spinner, uh, right? And so there's a big, big difference there. With without that, you can't necessarily control it in the same way. Like think of all the tools you'd have to use in an AD environment to encrypt sure. everything that's there, to tie it to an identity, to not have an attack service from a lot of that. Because if I have AD now, I have to actually really protect what assets can talk to that AD controller. I have to right. have a, uh, you know have IoT separate with a different DNS. I have to have all like all the things that go into it that are very different than if I was living in an identity centric world where Starbucks is where I'm actually working. 
Right. Right. And and I think that's the aspect of it is to your point, our our ender on this is that when we think about this going going all the way back to the beginning, if you do one well and two well and three well, and then get strategic about what you're doing with one and two and three, you can have a lot less work to do in four and in five and in six and in seven and in eight and in nine and in 10, not as much nine, nine. Yes. Nine. Yeah, yes. More, like, actually, we'll get into that. We'll get there. So we'll get I'm going to gonna say one thing before we close this out, because one of the things that I ended up doing when I was trying to help in the context of this control was what does control 10 actually say inside those safeguards from a reference standpoint. And I found that it, it references 2.3, it references 7.3, 7.4, and 10.3 specifically calls out control four. Yeah. Like, so that I just wanted to throw that out there as a reminder that these are all building on each other. This is like Lincoln logs. It is not meant to be like, I'm just going to close my eyes and point, oh, today's yeah. control these seven. Are- the way it's said, in my best opinion, is that they're interdependent. Interdependent. Right? You they, always they, use these they, multi-syllable <laughs> words, and I'm like, I got to go write them down. I'm like, that's Latin. That's Greek. Yeah, oh, man. I'm not single syllabic, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to stop. For those of you listening, this has been Fireside Chat with Chris and Matt. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all.